There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about that figure. That's right, there is no greater figure in the history of all humanity than Jesus of Nazareth. Neither is there any hope for us as individuals or as families or as nations than this same Jesus. He stands way above all others as the most influential person who ever lived. Now, a new book brings readers face to face with the one who holds the universe together and whose brutal death on the cross set the world right again. So an opportunity today to rediscover the uniqueness, the majesty, and the power of Jesus, the Son of God. Two special guests joining us, Warwick Marsh and Kurt Mulberg. They've released their latest book. It's called Jesus, the Center of It All. They've been exploring how Jesus and his followers changed the course of history. Warwick Marsh is the founder of Dads for Kids. He co-founded the National Day of Thanks. He helped establish the National Day of Prayer and Fasting and with other faith leaders drafted the Canberra Declaration. And Kurt Mulberg, he's a writer, an author, a missionary. He has degrees in design and education and divinity. He's also the author of Cross Culture and co-author of The Blessing of Almighty God. Let me welcome our two special guests. A special welcome, first of all, to you, Kurt Mulberg. It's great to be with you, Neil. Thank you so much for hosting us today and for, um, yeah, I know this is going to be a fantastic conversation because we've enjoyed several like it in the past. So, yeah, absolutely uh, thrilled to be with you. And, Kurt, just to mention, uh, we're talking to you today from California, and that's your, I'm sorry, not California, uh, Florida, is it? Florida you are in, or you, let us know where you are. <laughs> We're, we're actually in Wisconsin. We, we just visited Florida. That's where the conversation came up earlier. Um, so we've come from sunny Florida. We're back in Wisconsin. It's a li- little colder and snowier here, but yes, based in the USA at the moment. And uh, our other guest, Warwick Marsh, he's in the cultural capital of Australia, Wollongong. Hey, Warwick, welcome along. I'm glad you mentioned the cultural capital because we've been praying that it will become uh, the cultural capital of Australia, but we've got a long way to go. So we'd love your prayers. Hey, we did a short conversation about the new book late last year and uh, and we said, hey, we've got to get the two of you on together to talk about this. Uh, Let me come to you, Kurt, because in your new book, you're looking at Jesus with fresh eyes and perhaps even fresh eyes for a new generation. How do you see what you, you and Warwick have put together in this new book? 
Yeah, we've tried to essentially paint a series of vignettes of Jesus in, in parts of the book I've described it as walking through um, like a portrait gallery and there's all these different portraits of Jesus. So we're trying to, in very simple terms, um, with personal illustrations, with um, accounts from scripture, just tell the story of who Jesus was, um, explain uh, his, his character, his nature. And um, I guess we're really passionate about presenting Jesus to a new generation because we are in a really interesting time culturally where a lot of people have abandoned faith um, and yet at the same time there's been a lot of crazy things rush into the void left behind from Christianity and so I've noticed I'm sure a lot of other uh, listeners have, have noticed as well that people you never would have thought questioning uh, and asking about faith and, and being curious about Jesus all of a sudden are they're they're wanting to know who he is and what he's like so um, so we're just passionate about presenting Jesus to to people who may never have really encountered him before or previously might have written him off. And I'll stay with you, Kurt, and I'll come to Warwick because last time I spoke to Warwick about this, uh, I heard uh, the amazing account of uh, what Warwick was like in his early years, and he was very open with that, and I'm going to ask him again uh, shortly about that as well, but when you're writing a book about the way that you've done this one, uh, looking at Jesus uh, with fresh eyes, and uh, you know you're talking about Jesus at the centre of it all, you can't be anything but uh, starting from a personal standpoint. So, Kurt, your own personal story here, and and what drives you uh, to be looking at these sorts of issues today and writing these sorts of books that you do, take us back to uh, the early Kurt and your early story. Yeah, nothing probably quite as um, uh, out there as, as Warwick's story as he'll share. He's previously shared and probably will share a bit today. Um, I'm just a mere humble country lad. I come from the Adelaide Hills. Um, I was raised by very godly parents who took me to the local Lutheran church every uh, Sunday. And I really... I guess looking back, really valued the, um, the, the teachings and the values that they'd built into uh, myself and my sisters. Um, but it wasn't a personal experience for me until I was probably in my mid to late teens. Um, and I, I distinctly remember being at church and really starting to tune into what the pastor was saying and realizing, I think this is actually true. I had a lot of intellectual questions, um, particularly around things like creation and evolution um, and apologetics. You know, did Jesus really die from the dead, uh, rise from the dead? And, and things. I just, it struck me as being, um, as being fundamentally true. But then I would also notice that a lot of the people who professed faith just didn't have much of a passion for it. They'd kind of, after church, just chat about the football or their business. And I thought, this is real. This has got to be, you know, the most important thing in the world. It was probably a few years later, uh, maybe maybe the following year, I was at a, a youth camp called Christian Life Week. And I know from data that a lot of Australians uh, have come to faith through Christian camps. So I'm sure people can relate to this story. Um, but I was I was there at camp. I, was, I think it was on the first day I, I heard a devotion and it was a very simple devotion about the cross and why Jesus went to the cross, why he died for us. And all of a sudden I realized he didn't just die for the whole world. He died for me. And, and that, that revelation just changed my life. And, uh, and from that point on, I think that really probably was where I came to faith for the first time, even though I had a great Christian upbringing before that. And uh, I guess from there on, I, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of thinking. I, um, I was blessed to have a lot of Christian guys around me in my friendship circles, and we were able to kind of wrestle with a lot of these issues. Um, and my faith, I guess, from that point just took off and, and grew and grew. And ultimately, I found myself in ministry at a, at a Baptist church, and um, I've done mission work since. 
Um, so, you know, in a, in a sense, your testimony never finishes. God's always been doing new things in my life. Uh, in the last four or five years, I've gotten married and my wife and I've just recently adopted a child. So God has been incredibly faithful. And I could tell you stories about all the things he's done uh, through all the more recent years too. But I guess they were some of the m- more foundational experiences for me. I think you use a wonderful word, that word revelation. And uh, we sometimes think of that as like a mass revelation, but personal revelation to our own hearts. And uh, for you to reflect on that, having been born and uh, brought up in a Christian home, but you still needed something of a revelation from God to really expose all of those things that are so, so important. Let me come to you, Warwick Marsh, and uh, I'll get you to recount uh, some of your early story because, and for listeners, uh, you might not have known Warwick Marsh. When you think, oh, here's Warwick, does all this wonderful, good Christian work, dads for kids and all sorts of great stuff, uh, that he used to be quite a radical. You were uh, quite a radical at one stage, Warwick. Yes, indeed. Um Maybe not like Simon the Zealot who would kill Roman soldiers, but I certainly was one of those who marched in the streets for peace, got kicked by the police um, and uh, harassed. Of course, I I was out there probably making a public nuisance of myself, so maybe it was fair fair, I'm not sure. Um, But the bottom line is I did have some very strong political views. I was definitely leaning. I wasn't really a Marxist as such, but I was definitely heavily infected by that whole um, the revolution, you know, that was the times, early 70s, late 60s. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of talk about the revolution, whatever that was. And we were marching against the Vietnam War. And I've always been a, a bit of a pacifist. I still am today. I understand that wars are probably a necessary evil to a certain extent. But, you know, I am a person that believes that you know, d- don't kill, you know, do not hurt. And uh, we need to love each other. So I was marching and heavily infected, as I said, by or most of my friends were either anarchists, Trotskyists, uh, Marxists, um, Leninists. And when you start talking about that sort of thing, you know you're in hardcore um, left world, left-leaning world, when you start dividing them into groups like that, you know. Mm. And, you know, as Kurt said, um, if this is real... We can't take this lightly. What was it for you, Warwick, uh, where there was a turning point? Uh, I mentioned that word as Warwick, as uh, Kurt said, you know, something of a revelation from God, uh, something that actually breaks in on the way you think and turns your life upside down. What was that for you? Uh, you know, if it's real, uh, you made a, a decision to, to change direction. Yeah. Look, thanks for the question. Yeah, so look, there's probably two aspects to this to address the issue of my, um, you know, radical sort of activism and, um, you know, sort of left-leaning sort of towards Marxism. I read Torture for Christ by Richard Wormbrand um, as a quite a young man, probably 15, 16 years of age, and that really cured me of the whole communism thing because communism is a, it's a killer. It's killed... I think 150, 200 million people in the in the last uh, century, and it's just bad news. And uh, I'm starting to realise that socialism is, is, socialism is pretty bad too at the, at the present moment. But that's another story. But getting to my faith, so everyone has to come to faith. You heard the story of Kurt. He was going to church, but just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. You live, you go to if you live in McDonald's, it wouldn't make you a hamburger. If you lived in a garage, it wouldn't make you a car. You have to have a revelation of Christ as you 
adroitly pointed out. And that revelation came to me. Uh, well, I, again, I much like Kurt, I had a strong Christian upbringing, although I, my dad didn't go, uh, force us to go to church because he didn't go to church himself, but he was a strong Bible-believing Christian. And so I had that background just like Kurt had. But it was when I heard Billy Graham preach a message about the cross, very similar to Kurt. Billy Graham is a wonderful preacher who just always preaches the gospel. The gospel, as Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you when I came among you except Christ and him crucified. So it was that message that night on TV, and I was living at Blackheath. I was a bit of a country boy myself, by the way, Kurt, and um, living at Blackheath in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney. And that's when I came to find Jesus Christ. I knelt beside my bed and said the prayer that Billy Graham said I should pray, and from that moment on, I knew that Jesus was the Lord of my life and I was following Jesus. And I had, since then, that's uh, 55 years ago, and I'm still following for Jesus now. So that's got to be good news. Kurt, the book, uh, Jesus, the center of it all, uh, the most influential person who ever lived, uh, you and Warwick uh, with your own stories to tell. Uh, the stories of your upbringing, the stories of some revelation from God and a turnaround and a recognition that how do you communicate this to your fellow Australians or fellow people around the world who might be searching? So how do you describe the book, Jesus, the centre of it all? What is it that you say, read this book because why? Yeah, well, first of all, we've tried to write something that's very, it's quite short and very readable. You can probably pick it up and read it in a day or so, um, but also you can read it devotionally. And I think that's one of the, the strengths of this book is that um, while we tell stories and we are creating sort of an, o an overarching kind of narrative arc through the book, um, we are also, we've, we've written chapters that are relatively short, can be read devotionally and also in a Bible study type of context. Each of the chapters in the book, and there are 10, um, they, they look at a, a particular aspect of Jesus. Now, of course, because it's a shorter book, it's not going to be like a work of systematic theology. Uh, we're not looking at every particular angle of Jesus, but uh, we've looked at him as, for example, God in flesh or the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, um, the coming King. So themes that um, very strongly come through the Gospels, um, but quite succinctly capture who he is. Um, you know, I shared earlier about my testimony. A lot of these um, revel revelations, they were revelations for me, you know, realizing, wow, God, God came in the flesh. Jesus is not just some great preacher. He actually, he is God in the flesh. That was a massive revelation for me. And a lot of the study I did in those years has finally made it into this book, you know, decades later. Um, so I guess, yeah, these, these are revelations that, that Warwick and I have had. They're also fundamental truths of the Christian faith. Any, any Christian, any place on the earth, would I, I would um, assume roundly affirm the sorts of um, basic ideas and teachings that we've put into these chapters. But we've also couched them in such a way that we're telling our own personal stories. Um, we're, we're bringing other stories from interesting characters from church history and, and current events um, and, and just trying to drive these, these very um, simple but powerful truths home. So it's a short book, it's very readable, and, and we've really written it with just everyday Australians in mind. Uh, Warwick Marsh, there's lots of stories in this book. Uh, stories are important, aren't they? Because they tell of personal circumstances and personally receiving that revelation from God. Uh, what are, what's one of your favourites that you've delivered in this book? Well, um, Kurt and I are pretty fanatical about telling stories because we believe that the greatest storyteller that ever lived was Jesus. So we've included 
um, you know, stories in each chapter. My favourite story is the story of Dimitriev, which is a, a man who was started a home church in his own home, literally. Um, wasn't a pastor, he was just a worker, and he uh, came to Christ, and people started flocking to his home, and still there was people outside the windows. After several years, uh, he was put in prison, and he would get up every morning at 6 a.m. and sing a song to God. It was a sort of family tradition, and he just continued singing this song to God, but he would paste up Bible verses in his cell, and uh, little slips of paper, he'd write out the scriptures and put them up on his in his cell, and the guards kept warning, don't do it, don't do it, and they'd beat him, and he'd do it again, and they'd beat him and do it again. And finally, they got so upset with him uh, because he refused to bow his knee to the Soviet God, which was no God. It's a it's an atheistic uh, philosophy, of course, with communism. And they dragged him through the prison to the place of execution. And all the prisoners who had mocked him and laughed at him suddenly stood to attention, 900 of them, and sang the song word for word that he sung every morning at 6 a.m. In other words, they were saying to the guards, if you kill him, you have to kill us. And the guards got very, very nervous because, um, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in prisons. And the one thing you've got to be careful of, Neil, is you've got to keep the prisoners in line. You can't afford to have an uprising. And what was happening was these prisoners were saying to the guards, if you kill him, you have to kill us. And so they said, who are you? He said, I'm just an ordinary person. I love God. I'm a son of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a, he's my brother and God is my father. And so they dragged him back to the cell. Within a, I think within a year he was released. And that is just an amazing story of the power of Christ in you. That was a story that led that chapter, which is the power of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Back to you, Neil. Uh, let's take a call. Colin is in Bundaberg in Queensland. Hey, Colin, welcome along. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. What are your thoughts, Colin? I'm definitely a big fan of Warwick. I think he's an awesome bloke. But, um, Warwick, I, I wonder, what's the connection of your book with uh, Dads for Kids, which I know is your big um, passion? Warwick. Well, um, you know, it's good, great to hear your voice, by the way, Colin, and God bless you, and uh, love to your family up there in Bundaberg. Um, the, the reason we started Dads for Kids was because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because I've been working now for 22 years without wages for Dads for Kids, and you're either mad or you're glad, and I was glad to follow Jesus and glad to serve uh, the men and fathers of Australia by encouraging them, helping them, a, a weekly email uh, you know, website, standing up for them in the parliament, which is a pretty lonely job, I might add. Um, in fact, you've helped us in the parliament, Colin, so God bless you. You, you were there in the, in the, in the uh, Great Hall many times with us and in the main committee room there in Parliament House making a, a, having a voice for men. But the reason I was speaking up for the, the male of the species is, and families and children was because of Jesus, my love for Jesus Christ. Does that answer your question, Colin? Yeah, I think that does, mate. Yep. I think that explains uh, this is the, the book is an extension of that love for Jesus Christ. Colin. You've just nailed it, dear brother. You've nailed it. Thank you so much, Colin, for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. But I'm going to come to Kurt for a little bit of a comment here because as we're hearing Colin reflecting on Warwick, there's something here that 
When we talk about this connection with a revelation of Jesus, uh, it doesn't stop at that moment we first believe because our whole life trajectory changes. Uh, Jesus, the most influential person in history, leads us to be influential in whatever gifting and ways that uh, we're uh, able to uh, be able to express our own gifts. Uh, what are your thoughts here for what goes beyond? If you know what happens in the life that is undergoing this transformation, any thoughts from you here, uh, Kurt? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, as I shared in my testimony a bit earlier, you know, when I came to faith, that was a dramatic change for me. But as you sort of intimated, um, that really does change the course of your life. And and for me, it's been a case of, um, you know, just surrendering my life to Jesus and doing that continually, um, you know, doing it, I guess, on a daily basis, but also at those junctures in life where you're not really sure where to go and, and what's ahead, uh, just surrendering it all to Jesus, saying, you know, my life is yours. My bank account is yours. My career path is yours. My my future in terms of my spouse or my children, all of it's yours. And that's certainly been my experience. Um, you know, I, I I could tell you a lot of different stories about how, how Jesus has, um, you know, encountered me in various moments. One that I share in the book um, was actually when I was probably about age 18 or 19. I'd recently bought, um, you know, my car. It wasn't a brand new car. It was whatever I could afford. I think I paid a bit over $2,000 for it, which you know, back in the, the uh, what was that, the tw- 2000s was quite expensive um, and also being a teenager. Um, and I was I was proud of this car. It took me everywhere. I, I loved my independence driving around the Adelaide Hills. One day, sadly, I T-boned uh, another car at, a, at an intersection. And to get my car repaired cost me almost the entire contents remaining in my bank account. And, um, you know, if a teenager is listening, you know, you might relate to this. When you've, when you've worked so hard and saved up, it's, it's just heart-wrenching to to see all that money just go in an instant. Um, And very soon after that accident happened, I just found myself uh, filled with joy um, and I couldn't explain it. And and all I knew that was running through my head and through my heart was, even if I had nothing in this life, I have Jesus and he is enough. And, you know, that was one of those junctures. It might seem like a, a sort of silly story to tell now that I'm, you know, much older and more financially secure and whatever. But at the time, that was such a standout event for me, and I've, I've continued to remember it because in the midst of what should have been very difficult circumstances, deep sadness, Jesus was right there with me, and I knew he was, and and that made all the difference. Um, and so it's really been at, at so many of those kinds of life junctures where things kind of fall apart. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm not sure what God's doing, but I give my life back to him, and everything's just kind of okay, even when it's not okay. Uh, Warwick Marsh, Jesus at the centre of it all. Some people have difficulty with this because they wonder how Jesus could be the centre of a person's life. And if your life changes when Jesus is at the centre, then life looks different. And you get to have those experiences like Kurt just uh, explained there. When you're going through a tough time, Jesus is at the centre. You're able to cope with that. Do you think there's some uh, power? Do you think there's some uh, enabling that happens uh, when you put Jesus at the centre of your own life? Look, 100%, um, Neil, you see, Jesus is Lord or is not Lord. Uh, Bob Dylan wrote a great song many, many years ago, you've got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. And you see, it is Christ or chaos. It is Jesus Christ or nothing. Jesus came to the, into this earth and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he just didn't talk words. He then went and gave his life 
and gave up his very lifeblood, which was poured out on the hill of Golgotha outside Jerusalem. And he, by doing that, he purchased, purchased us and saved us and delivered us from sin and from darkness because all of us are sinners. Uh, we're going to take a call in just a few moments. Uh, just to come to you first here, Kurt, uh, need to get back to the centre because it's so easy to be distracted from what's important. And this is what your book is about. It's saying Jesus is the centre of it all. Don't be distracted. Get back on track. Is that a fair enough way of saying this is how you get a fresh start? I think that's a pretty good summary, Neil. Um, you're exactly right. Life is hectic um, for us right now. Uh, my wife and I, life is hectic. It's very busy. Um, but it's so important that Jesus is at the center, um, at the center of our lives, at the center of our marriage, um, at the center of all the different things that we're doing. And uh, yeah, that's our encouragement to listeners today. Um, perhaps Jesus was the center of your life, you know, sometime in the past. Um, or maybe you've heard that kind of message or that idea before, but I guess our encouragement to you today is, yeah, just to put him at the center again. Um, he's always there, um, always listening. Every time we reach out to him, even if it's been a long time since we did, he's there and, uh, and he's faithful. So that's, that's our encouragement. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Owen in Serena in Queensland. Hi, Owen. Welcome along. Thanks very much. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, everybody listening, um, you had a question about the plight of being Christian as an individual or an intellectual, you know, as a um, uh, someone whose uh, identity is really questioned nowadays. Obviously, this is about bringing Jesus into the equation, which greatly helped me, but um, I was thinking about, learnt at school about um, personalities, like apart from being identities, we want to be personalities as well, which, you know, we're persons, so we're, and we have an identity and hold our flag up for good things, but um, we have to be parishioners to be good Christians, I, I feel, and we also have to be good um Oh, what's the word I learned at school? Proletariat. Could I, could I just throw all those words out? <laughs> There's a lot of words there. You know what? <laughs> uh, you do raise a really important point, I think, Owen. Uh, what is a good Christian? Uh, that's an interesting yeah. one to actually explore. And you use a, a little different uh, sets of terminology there. I come to Warwick Marsh here. The there's, there's all the uh, revisions of the Bible. Someone said to me, is how many people there are if we'll only accept, yeah. Uh, Owen, let's get a thought or two. And I'll come to Warwick Marsh because when we're talking personality and uh, we're talking identity, uh, we're talking about Jesus making, uh, you know, becoming the centre of it all or being the centre of it all. What are your thoughts here for Owen? Well, Owen... Um Great to great to have your call today. We we honour you for ringing up. Number one, number two, I'd encourage you to really dig into Jesus. How are you going to dig into Jesus? Well, you're going to dig into Jesus by talking to Him and reading the Scriptures, because the Scriptures reveal Christ. And you know, there's a beautiful saying that Paul. Um, it's one of his sayings in letters he talks about christ in you the hope of glory and paul also went to the corinthian church and he said i determined to know nothing when i came to you except christ and him crucified 
So, Neil, every morning, myself and my wife, we celebrate communion. And it's, we do it for two reasons, self-preservation, because there's nothing stronger than the blood of Christ. And as we celebrate the blood of Christ, we pray a blessing on our family. It just doesn't get any better than that. And we pray a blessing on ourselves. We ask God's guidance. We pray for a lot of friends and people that we know that are going through difficult times. But the second reason we do it is that we want to keep coming back to Jesus. We want to be able to say like Paul, I determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And this book, uh, Jesus, the Center of It All, is about Jesus Christ, but it's about not just letters and words, but it's about the person of Jesus who you can come to know and you can he can actually live in you and he lives in you this is your hope of glory. So um, our dear friend Owen that's rung up, Jesus is your hope. It's not the church you go to, it's your hope. It's not whether you go to church, you don't go to church. It does help, by the way, to go to church, but it's that you know Jesus and you trust Jesus and have a living relationship with him. Uh, let me just ask you, Kurt, and uh, we've Owen's dropped out, but, uh, but Owen raised some really important issues there and really uh, taking us just a shade deeper than you might ordinarily expect in a conversation because he's talking about personality. And, you know, we wonder, I've got a unique personality. Does that all change? Uh, or what happens with the change and the transformation of a person when Jesus becomes the centre of their life? And uh, getting to the point where Jesus is the centre, that's a different question even for the person who has Jesus at the centre of keeping Jesus at the centre because we're so easily distracted. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts here for, for what is changing? And then when you have made that decision, you've had that revelation and you realise that Jesus can make all the difference and clear up that confusion about keeping him at the centre of your life. Any thoughts from you here? Yeah, I, I really liked the questions that, that Owen posed, particularly when he was talking about personality, um, because I guess a criticism I've heard some people um, level against uh, you know, Christianity or the church is that by following Jesus, you just become a clone, you become a copy, you, know, you, you conform and you're like everyone else. But I'd argue actually the opposite. I think when we um, surrender our lives to Jesus, put our faith in him, repent of our sins um, and give ourselves over to him, what he actually does is he, he helps each of us as individuals really fully become ourselves and become the personality that he's crafted us to be. The scriptures talk about um, us being, you know, masterworks that God has created with all sorts of beautiful things he's got planned for us. And I think by coming to faith, we don't become clones of each other. We actually become our most authentic, most um, most full self that God had actually intended for us. And, uh, and one of the amazing revelations for me with, with um, who Jesus is, is that he showed us God. Um, you know, God is not just some guy in a beard in the clouds. He's not just some esoteric idea that, you know, the Greeks had or anything like that. He, um, he is a person he, and he has a personality. And in Jesus, he revealed that personality fully to us. And in doing so, Jesus had so many amazing different relationships with people, his disciples and, you know, prostitutes and tax collectors, all these people. And in every case, Jesus honoured their personality and there was a real personal interchange. And I believe that that didn't just happen in the Gospels, that happens in our lives today. When we meet Jesus, he brings us and our personality fully out. And I think that's one of the most incredible things about following him. Uh, we've got Owen back, actually. Owen, uh, oh, you know, just... Sorry, my big thumb. I just uh, had biblical revelation only the last couple of days of 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 14, and I'll well, skip 15 to 16. It says, 
Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel, which is not everybody's calling. But um, And then 16, for thou I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So it's our duty is another part of scripture, yeah. Owen, good thoughts there, and and if I was just uh, topping off with uh, throwing two bobs worth in here, uh, you know, we talk about Jesus as being the truth, and sometimes we talk about truth as uh, a set of intellectual understandings, and you had that in your initial question about uh, our intellect, and uh, when we think of truth, though, uh, truth in Jesus doesn't come just as a written word, but it all comes dressed in flesh and blood, the living person of Jesus. So we don't just follow a written set of laws, but we also follow a person. And uh, I think there's something very important in that too. But Owen in Serena, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's come to, I mean, we talked about these things and personally is where we all start, isn't it? Um, And then our family, because, you know, when you're having communion every morning, if you're at Warwick Marsh's house, you're going to be joining in there and everyone's going to be identifying with the same Jesus, being on the same page, following that one person, Jesus. But what about a nation? How does a nation respond to these things? Jesus at the center of it all. Let me come to you, Kurt Mulberg. Uh, Jesus at the center of a nation or of Western civilization. How do you start to describe that? Well, probably a very simple uh, illustration or, or just fact about um, the world in which we live, and it's beyond the West, it's most of the world, is our calendar. We, we date our calendar BC and AD. Now, a lot of, I guess, modern academics prefer the terms CE, BCE, but they, the, the dates don't change. They still are actually locating us in relation to Jesus and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So we're currently living in the year 2024. Um, I don't know how we got here so fast, but that marks 2,024 years from Jesus' life. And um, so no matter where you go, you can't escape the fact that our world does in, in, in some of the most fundamental ways revolve around Jesus. Um, you know, I guess our culture, you know, we're, people talk about living in a post-Christian age and that sort of thing. And, you know, in many ways that's true. There's a lot of people who have cast off Christianity or don't, don't have too much of an interest in it, in it anymore. But it is very difficult um, to understand Western civilization without reference to Jesus in almost every domain that you could imagine, whether we're talking about education, you know, the idea that uh, everyone should be able to read and write, not just the elite and the rulers and the powerful people, but um, everyone from, you know, the youngest children all the way up, the idea that everyone should read and write, that came from uh, that came from Christians, that came from reformers who translated the Bible into the languages of, you know, the people of Europe and really wanted everyone to be able to read the Bible for themselves. That's where universal education, the idea for that came from. You know, the idea of hospitals and healthcare, um, you know, that the people deserve care and, and need care. Um, and not just, again, not just the elite or the rich or the powerful, um, but all people. That's a very Christian idea. And that idea basically arose, in again, in Christian Europe and has since spread to the rest of the world. So no matter where we look, whether it's human rights, whether it's um, democracy, you know, the rule of law, all of these things have um, such strong foundations in Jesus Christ and in his followers. 
Um, so I, I just don't think you can really understand Western civilization without reference to Jesus. Well, clearly our forefathers understood something of the significance of Jesus at the centre of it all, not only for their own personal faith and for their families, but also for our nation, because while we have just celebrated Christmas, it seems like only a breath away, uh, we've just celebrated uh, Australia Day, which is itself not necessarily a Christian day, but it was the day we would celebrate the arrival of the gospel on the shores in Australia, and this coming Sunday is National Christian Heritage Sunday, and coming up just ahead, we're now looking towards Easter. Now, it's interesting, and Warwick Marsh, I'll ask you about this, because sometimes People will say Australia has lost focus on our Christian heritage, and that may be true, but our Christian heritage still is front and centre, isn't it? Don't we have a public holiday to celebrate the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And isn't this front and centre in Australian society? How do you describe it? Look, Australia has this enormous... uh, We've written another book, um, uh, Kurt and I... Uh, released last year, Great Southland Revival, and both of us dug into the history of Australia pretty, uh, pretty massively, and both of us have already had had done a fair bit of reading. But to to write the book, we had to do a lot more. And Kurt, I'm sure you'd agree with me. Our history, Australian history, is just full of Christ, isn't it? Especially the 1800s, uh, and even the founding. That we were sent out here because people cared for the prisoners. Let's you start and let's forgive them and let's give them land and let's just let's build a nation with broken people but it was because of broken people who could be redeemed by by jesus um we've just celebrated australia day and australia day we fly a flag and that flag is the australian flag but does anyone understand that the australian flag is made up of four crosses not just three crosses the union jack but the fourth cross of course is the southern cross which is uh, this beautiful uh, formation of stars and the southern skies pointing to the South Pole, but it's in the shape of the cross, it's the shape of the cross that Jesus died, and it's called the Southern Cross for that reason. But our flag is the Union, is, is in the corner of our flag is the Union Jack, and the Union Jack is made up of St. Patrick's Cross, St. Andrew's Cross, and the Cross of St. George, who were all saints. St. Andrew was one of the apostles, so that's going right back to the New Testament there's it's embedded in our history. Our constitution says humbly rely on the blessings of Almighty God. And that's our prayer for our nation still today. Back to you, Neil. Well, let me come to Kurt, because when we recognise this value of our Australian Christian heritage, uh, some of that being forgotten, uh, others trying to rewrite that heritage, there's something there worth holding on to, isn't there? And and that reinforces what happens when you make Jesus the centre of your own life personally, because you're surrounded by the fact that there are others who, with Jesus at the centre of their life, has helped shape who we are even as a nation. Absolutely. I, I um, One thing I've been very fascinated by in recent years is the number of secular um, and in many cases atheistic or um, agnostic uh, people, public figures of, of great notoriety, 
who either have come to faith or are very interested all of a sudden in Jesus and, and understanding uh, how he is located at the center of our civilization. And I'm referring to people like Jordan Peterson. I'm sure many listeners have heard of him. There's a uh, British commentator called Douglas Murray. Um, there's a, a Muslim lady called uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali. She actually came from uh, North Africa. And until recently, she was a, an atheist, um, but she was very, um, very praiseworthy. She very... Um, very much praised Western civilization, even though she was an atheist, and and then took the more recent step of actually becoming a full-on Christian. And these are people who come from very different backgrounds, often academic, atheistic, like I mentioned, or in this case, um, Muslim, um, with Ali. But um, each of them have realized that Western civilization is going astray. And the only reason, the only way that we can hold ourselves back from insanity and, and everything unraveling is actually by returning to Jesus. So Douglas Murray, for example, still atheist agnostic or, or something like that um, i haven't heard anything recently um you know in terms of his personal journey but he he advocates for people to go to church because he understands that you know C- christianity really is at the center of our culture and i just find it fascinating that um people who are very much outside of the, the walls of the church have all of a sudden realized jesus is at the center of it all he's at the center of our civilization and we abandon that to our peril and that's a fantastic reminder for us as Christians that we shouldn't be ashamed of our faith. And it's a, definitely a fantastic reminder to everyday people, to everyday Australians, that Jesus is not some obscure character from history. He's not, um, you know, not some dusty idea in church or anything like that. He's, a, he's alive. He's living. He loves each of us. He knows each of us. And he's worth giving our lives to. Alive, living and relevant for every single individual today and uh, with those public intellectuals and as you name a number of those there, uh, this movement towards uh, from people who've called themselves atheists or agnostics and they're saying, but uh, even though I've got some doubts myself right now, yes, you should go to church and this (laughs) movement that there is uh, towards uh, actually public declaration of belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, these sorts of things are very exciting and we'll be monitoring some of those through the year because this is happening more and more and this is a very exciting thing that could be happening in the world. Hey, we've run out of time, gentlemen, but let me ask you about uh, this book. Uh, it's called Jesus, the Centre of It All and uh, it's designed to be an easy read but also it's all. It's designed to be a study resource. A lot of people be looking around right now. What are we going to use for a home group, cell group type study? Uh, Warwick Marsh, what's the value of this book as a study resource? Well, it's uh, a book for Christians and non-Christians. So it's a book, as Curtis said, it's a devotional book, but also uh, it gives it you know some sort of exposition, if you like, scriptural exposition and, and, and history that would point to Christ. But it's a great uh, tool for Bible study. So it's 10 chapters, so you can do it in 10 weeks. There's a worship song with a QR code at the end. Uh, there's uh, four questions to go for a, through for a Bible study. And we're already selling. Uh, people are ringing up and they're ordering, you know, a dozen books for their Bible study group or whatever. And it's exciting to see it. Uh, I'm very excited by this aspect of it, aren't you, Kurt? Yeah, very much so. I think um, I think it's it's got real value as a study um, as a study resource. So yeah, very exciting to hear so many people um, ordering multiple copies.
And the multiple copies thing, and you guys uh, have gotten good at this, because when you write a new resource, uh, you don't want it just to be bought by one, uh, read quickly and put on the bookshelf. Uh, You want people to be able to use the resource, so you've got this adaptability, making it a study resource, and uh, and people can buy a dozen, they can buy 50, they can buy 100, they can get a book for every one of their church members. You've got these sort of bulk deals, are they still going, or is is that still available Warwick yes they are thank you Neil for asking uh, we get you know if you buy in bulk uh, you get up to 40% off because this we don't see this as a um, it's not a business for us this is a ministry so we see ourselves as promoting Jesus telling the world about Jesus and you know praying for our nation praying for reformation in our nation but books are a great resource and yes, you can go to our website at the Canberra Declaration and you'll see the product section under resources and you can, uh, or just Google Jesus the Centre of it all and you'll find our website, Canberra Declaration, and you can put your order in and the more you buy, the less it costs you and we're just happy to give you a great discount to encourage you to buy more. Well, so many looking for a great resource and something that might cut through the distractions for you as an individual and get you back on track, but then to be useful in a group setting, uh, also a fabulous dimension of this book. Uh, So the book is called Jesus, the Centre of It All. The authors are Warwick Marsh and Kurt Mulberg. They've been our guests through this hour. And they gave the Canberra Declaration website as the place where you can get a hold of those books, canberradeclaration.org.au. You'll find a tab there called Resources. You'll be able to access that book, Jesus, the Centre of It All. Uh, To you both, Warwick, and to Kurt, thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Warwick. Thank you so much. And thank you to Kurt. Thanks so much, Neil. You're a wonderful host. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.